We are continuing a series called Better Days, and I don't know about you, but this has been a joy for the teaching team to work on and study and prepare these messages over the course of the past couple of weeks. And uh, it is a story from the book of Psalms, which is in the Old Testament. Psalms, poetry, or songs, or are different writings from, uh, mostly from David, who was a king, but before that, he was a shepherd. And we just talked about David, and guess what? David, although he was a man after God's own heart, had issues. He had bad days, and, um, you know, we can relate to actually even a king. Isn't that cool? And so we are going to go to Psalm 23, verse 3. We went through verse 1, verse 2, and part of verse 3. And we're going to focus on the second part of verse 3 this morning. I want you to to just open your Bible or your phone or just listen to this very short verse in Psalm 23, verse 3, the second part. It says, he guides me. He guides me along the right paths. For his name's sake. I want to talk to you this morning about God's GPS system. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. We place ourselves under your authority of your word this morning. Speak to our hearts, specifically to the needs and the direction you want us to go in our lives. Put us on the path that you've laid before us. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you? would call yourself directionally challenged. Don't point at any spouses in here. You know, when you just cannot seem to figure out your way. How many of you remember back in the day, this thing called MapQuest? Remember that? I used to love MapQuest. When I'd go on my trips, I used to recruit for a university, and I would plan out all my things. I'd have a stack of papers and highlight and, you know, map quest from this point to this point. And then I'd, when they added a route, I was like, man, this is just amazing. You can put all your stops and, you know, you can put your stop to Taco Bell or wherever you're going to eat. And then to your, it was amazing. But the hard thing was trying to drive with the paper. And you're going, you know, how do And even before that, remember the giant maps? <laughs> remember that you would get at the rest area? That was fun as a kid to be like, geez, <laughs> like, that's a small road. Like, how is our car fitting on that thing? You know, it takes up half the map. And you'd get those maps, and you'd highlight your route. How did, how did we do that? How did we get from point A to point B without the greatest invention of all time? Say it with me, the G-P-S. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. I love I have a problem. You can ask my wife. I love GPSs so much that I actually use them every day, even though I know where I'm going, because I just want to know the exact time that I'm going to get to this place, right? And I can say, hey, I'm going to get there at 4.32. And they're, okay, Chris, that's nice that you pinpointed that, you know, and then pull over. Wait, wait, wait. It changed because there was a stoplight, so 4.33. I'm so sorry. I love GPSs. I'm sorry. I think they are one of the greatest inventions ever. You can put in your destination you want to go. And, and look, this is what it does. Those of you that haven't come to this technology yet, you're still using MapQuest. 
I want to tell you that not only does it tell you how to get to your destination, it tells you if there's a roadblock. It tells you the shortest route. It tells you, hey, you want to go over the toll bridge or not? I mean, what what you feeling like today? It tells you the fastest route. It tells you if there's an accident. It is amazing. Okay, Chris, move on. We, we know you're obsessed with the GPS. That's a slogan there. Can I be honest with you for a second? Why doesn't God make life like that? Come on, Jesus, just tell me where I'm going. Give me the shortest route. Give me the fastest, the quickest way there. I don't want roadblocks in my life. I don't want, I don't want traffic, construction. Just tell me where I'm going and get me there. And then, you know, I'll just sit back and, and you know, maybe even you can drive my car too. Come on, God. You're going to make me figure out how to get there and, and make me do all the work. You know, God just doesn't want us to sit back in life and enjoy the ride. And as a matter of fact, the problem with this view of God is that when you first give your life to him and, and you have that attitude, it won't be long before you're saying, okay, I don't like this route. <laughs> I don't like this ride. Where do I get off? I'm not happy. No, I'd rather not know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so how do we walk in God's path, Right? I don't care what age you are in this room right now. No one, no one in this life gets on the path and just says, I'm set, I'm good to go. Whether you're young, navigating your life, whether you're older, still trying to navigate some different things and changes, you are still asking that question, how do I walk in God's path? In other words, how do I walk along God's path if I don't know the path to take? If I don't know the path to walk on, God, who should I marry? God, should I, should I take this new job or not? It just sounds so enticing. God, should I sell my home? Should I move again? Should I change my major? What should I do after high school? Should I date him or should we just be friends? What do I do, God? And, and then there are deeper stuff like, God, is this sickness? You know, is this it? Is this the path? God, what, the financial issues that I'm facing right now are just, I, ca I can't get out under the debt and the bills, and I lost my job, and I, or I'm, I got a pay cut. God, I just don't know. I don't understand. What are you doing? And these things create one of the greatest anxieties in all of us, and that is uncertainty about our future. We want to know, right? We want that GPS. We want to know exactly where we're going. We want to know the quickest fastest, safest route there, right? Is it just me? That's what we want. And we get disillusioned by life when we don't get that because it's not really how life works. See, when David, this king that we're talking about, was a shepherd, his sheep didn't know him. They were clueless. They just trusted him to lead the way. And sheep don't need to know where they're going. They don't need to know the destination. They just need to be able to trust someone, a good shepherd, who's going to guide them to where they need to go. That's what our life should be like with God, but it's not that easy, is it? No. Paths. He guides me along right paths. I want to hone in 
on that word past for a moment. It's important to understand past here. And I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6 through 7. Again, I apologize, the, screen, the video is not working. But hopefully your Bible or your phone is. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6 through 7. This is in the message version. Listen to what it says. It says, my people were lost sheep. Their shepherds led them astray. They abandoned them in the mountains where they wandered aimlessly through the hills. They lost track of home, couldn't remember where they came from. Everyone who met them took advantage of them. Their enemies had no qualms. Fair game, they said. They walked out on God. They abandoned the true pasture, the hope of their parents. And see, in this passage, we see the word hills and how when shepherds would lead their sheep to the wrong place, they would wander aimlessly through these hills. And I have a picture that obviously we can't show today, but if you can imagine this big hill in, in the Middle East, and there's these lines on the hill. You can see them clearly in the, in the uh, pathway, the, the mud and the terrain. And those lines are created by sheep and other animals like goats. And they would follow along these paths as the shepherd led them. And so hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of sheep would walk these paths. And you can see those lines and it would create those paths. And because the shepherd knew the trails, they would follow along them. He's been that way before. That shepherd knew, and they would walk these same lines, and as they followed each other, they would create, you know, when you, you've seen like in a college setting, you always see that one path of, of, of uh, grass that kind of goes away because students don't walk on a cement, it drives me nuts. I'm like, get back on that cement, you know, and you can see that path that they made. Uh, she's laughing because she's that student, and we're going to have to have a talk afterwards, but the Hebrew word for paths here is a well-defined, well-worn trail. Again, this is an indication of how dumb sheep really are. And we haven't figured that out by now. Sheep aren't the brightest of all the animals. Because even, even, listen, with a well-laid-out trail in front of them, they still need guidance. They still need direction. They still need a shepherd. Because they are inclined to just wander away. No matter how obvious the path is in front of them. They still move along. They get easily distracted, right? They get distracted by something they see or smell. Squirrel, you know. And they get so distracted doesn't this sound familiar in our walk? Or some of the people you know that maybe aren't in church anymore, maybe you're, you know, you're saying, what happened to so-and-so, you know? I haven't seen him in church in a while. Or, man, he hasn't been in a small group lately. And you're like, oh, man, you didn't hear? Oh, man, he got this great job. And he's just trying to, you know, trying to get things in order, man. And just trying to, as I said earlier, he's trying to throw that stone and kill that giant on his own. That's what he's doing. I'm just trying to get those things. And those things sound good and they seem good, but they cause us sometimes to get off that path. Man, that job's going to, if once this job is going to be it, and then once this job is secure, then, is, then he's going to be all out for God. Then he's going to volunteer. Then he's going to serve. Then he's going to lead a small group. Then he's going to be, you know, so just, man, that's, what, that's why he's not here. You know, or, oh, you didn't hear? Oh, they got a serious relationship. 
So, man, he's just trying to, you know, make sure they're equally. I mean, we could go on and on and on with excuses. It doesn't take much for a sheep to get off the path, even though it's right there in front of them. And God's comparing us to a sheep, too, because he knows how easy it is for us to do the same thing. And so we need a shepherd. We need someone guiding us, not just punching, this is the way to go, but guiding. You know, we don't need a shepherd pointing the direction. We need a shepherd guiding us. Shepherd doesn't say, all right, look at the path. Sheep, you should be smart enough to figure it out. No, he has to guide and lead them. Righteousness, this word, big word, the next word in this, in this verse is right, better translated, it's his, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. So the path looks like. The original word here, zadak, is rightness or righteousness as it is translated. And instantly what happens in our mind, we do this when we hear words like righteousness, is we think of what? Right behavior. I've got to be perfect for God. I've got to do everything right. I've got to stay in the lines. Uh, Am I obeying the rules or not? Am I following him? Am I messing up because God's going to be mad at me? And that's what we think about that. And you know what? That actually isn't bad because just like children need rules, so do all of us. (laughs) But the word here, the root word here is a little bit different meaning than what we're thinking about having to be right all the time. It's, I'm not even going to, I'm going to butcher it in the original language, that's why God gave me English, and I can barely speak that. But it says, the standard of right relationship we have between God and other people. So wait a second. This whole path thing, this whole thing is centered around relationships? Absolutely. Absolutely. Your path involves a right relationship with God, and a right relationship with others. I want you to look at me for just a second. If you think that your path is all about you and you alone, you are fooled. The choices you make, whether you get on God's path or not, affects other people. It could change the trajectory of someone's life. Wow, Chris, that's right. Yes, your decision to go, your decision to serve, your decision to follow has a great effect on other people. We don't live in a silo. We don't live affecting ourselves only. And so it is a relationship with God, but it is also a relationship with others. And the good shepherd will lead you on the path and show you what it means to be in right relationship with the shepherd and a right relationship with other people. It's not just about us. And let me be clear about something. I want you to listen carefully. God is more interested in who you are when you get to where you're going than just getting, to you, getting you to where you're going. Do you understand? God is more interested in who you're becoming than just getting you to a destination. Character means a lot to God. Why? Well, David ends the verse saying this, bringing honor to his name. Or, as some versions say, for his name's sake. What does that mean? Well, to understand this, you've got to understand the culture in first century Israel. It was all about honor and shame. It was an honor and shame culture. 
And for us, we don't have that. We don't experience that exactly the way it was. But here's a better word for us to understand today, and that is reputation. Reputation. God understands that his reputation is at stake. And let me just give you a little secret. His reputation right now in America especially is not doing too well. Because sometimes his sheep are just kind of wandering off, saying and doing whatever they want to say and do. And his name is at stake. His reputation is at stake. When you post that thing, when you say that thing, when you're insensitive, when you don't open your mind to what's happening with racial injustice, when you don't, oh gosh, he's going there again? Oh yeah, we're never going to stop going there. Why? Because God never stops going there. I wish I had a pen so I could drop it right now. God is saying, you are a reflection of me. So as you live in paths of righteousness, you represent me. You are Christ ambassadors. The only Bible some people are going to read is you. You represent Christ. Let me be clear. This is going to sting for some of you. God's paths exist for his glory not your happiness. This goes against everything we believe, right? The American way. I'm supposed to be happy. If I'm not happy, then God, something's wrong. Uh, Maybe I need to switch churches. Maybe I need to do something different. Let me tell you, we think God exists for us, but God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. Bottom line. And that's a good thing, by the way. (laughs) That's an incredible thing. Why is this, our role, so important? Why, what is our role in all this? What do we do and how do we get direction from God for our past? One pastor said this, he said, divine direction begins with unconditional submission. And if you are here today and, and maybe you've, someone dragged you in and you've never been to church before or you don't know much about following Jesus and you're saying, this sounds very heavy-handed and this is probably the reason I don't come to church. This is very old-fashioned. Are you kidding me? I exist for God? What kind of nonsense is this? Let me ask you a question. How are you making it on your own? Be honest. This is good news for all of us. I want you to listen. Don't, I don't want to lose you in this. This is great news for us about God because when we are forced to make every decision to lead our own lives, it equals an abundance of what? Joy? Nope. Happiness? Nope. Fulfillment? Nope. Stress and anxiety. <laughs> Again, how's it working out for you? Leading your own life, putting yourself on your own path. It's so much easier to follow someone else's lead, especially someone who knows you and the destination. Jesus is, by the way, the good shepherd. He loves you more, listen, than you love yourself. He loves you way more than you love your kids. He loves you infinitely more than you can ever love. And he also knows you better than you know your own self. 
The creator knows his creation. <laughs> he can do much better leading your life than you will ever be able to on your own, right? Now, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, you need to understand something about submission. That submission isn't submission until you disagree, right? God's leadership in our life, sometimes it feels like having to deny ourselves of a decision or of pleasure or of personal freedom. Does God ask you to trust and follow him instead of using your own decision-making skills to, to, to decide on something, to choose? You know, the answer is yes. Jesus never made light of the cost of following him. We make it so easy for people nowadays, to be honest. In fact, he said, okay, yeah, you can follow me. Die. What? Yeah, die. Uh, <laughs> I'm just church shopping, Jesus. I'll be back. You know, I'm going to go down to first whatever and see what they tell me. <laughs> Coffee? Oh, yeah, this is the one. Anyway, you're being cynical, Chris. Move on because I'm part of the problem. He made it painfully clear, and the worship team can come on up. He made it painfully clear that it was a rugged life of rigid self-denial that is totally opposite of the way we live and think, and we wonder why our life's a mess, and there's so much stress and anxiety. We think this would give us stress and anxiety. It would free us from it. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. 23 through 27, he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Jesus is saying this. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self, this isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. This is the message version, by the way. Some who have taken their stand right here are going to see it happen. See with their own eyes the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 23 and 27 for those taking notes. Here's some questions I want to ask as we close this morning. To see if you are truly submitted to God's path for your life. And again, I apologize, it's not on the screen. Number one. Instead of loving myself most, am I willing to love Christ best and others more than myself? Number two, instead of being one of the crowd, am I willing to be singled out, set apart from the gang? Number three, instead of insisting on my rights, am I willing to forgo them in favor of others? Number four, instead of being the boss, am I willing to be at the bottom of the heap? Number five, instead of finding fault with life and always asking why, am I willing to accept every circumstance of life with an attitude of gratitude? Number six, instead of exercising and asserting my will, am I willing to learn to cooperate with his wishes and comply with his will? And number seven, instead of choosing my own way, am I willing to choose to follow in Christ's way simply to do what he asked me to do. How many parents in the room, I want to talk to you for a moment. Don't you just say to your kids, will you just do what I'm asking you to do? Will you just what? Trust me. 
I've been this way before. I know better. How much more does our Heavenly Father know? See, submitting to God is like saying, not your will, but not my will, excuse me, but yours be done. Jesus said that. How much more do we need to say that and have that attitude? We got to be willing to obey no matter what he tells us to do. And how do we know what he tells us to do? Listen, God's will is discovered by applying God's word and listening to his voice. I tell my kids all the time, praying is not just talking. Because God's sitting there going, I'm trying to help you, but you won't take two seconds to listen. I'm trying to tell you. You want to know what God has to say? Open his mouth. He wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you. And there's a whole bunch of truths in God's word about obeying him. There's so many things. There's so many ways that he's speaking to us. And if we don't know his word, we can never know his will. And look, I know somebody, I heard a story of a guy who walked into church and told the pastor, all right, I'm listening to you about God's will, and, and, and I want to marry this lady in the church. And seems innocent, right? There's only one problem, the pastor says. You're married, dude, and so is the person you want to marry. That's not God's will, right? Even, just because you say it's God's will doesn't mean it's God's will. Even a good thing can be a wrong thing. That's idolatry, by the way. Jesus loves you enough to lead you to his will, and oftentimes not with a sign, but with a small, simple voice. Be still. Listen, John 10, verse 3 says this, The doorkeeper opens the gate for this man, and the sheep hear his voice and pay attention to it. And knowing that they listen, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out to pasture. When he has brought all of his own sheep outside, he walks on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and they recognize his call they will never follow a stranger but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers and as we spend time in prayer and waiting upon God there comes this sense of peace over us there comes this this inner conviction about the correctness of a certain direction that God's trying to get you to go in and we know that we don't have the word and it's hard to to discern what, what's God saying and what we're saying because we don't have the word. We have to have the word in us to know that. And the peace of God will act like an umpire watching our mood, making sure if we're doing the right thing. When we move out on the basis of this, it, we discover that God, he undergirds our actions and he, he has these confirming circumstances in our life. And we just begin the, to exercise those muscles, you know. We just want that clear certainty, but that's not what a pursuit and a relationship is about. God will give us that direction. He's steady and he's willing to be our compass and our guide. Look, I, you know, one of the late ways we can learn how to trust God and hearing from him and do that is be around people who, who've done that before. And, and that's what small groups are about. You're not going to get that in, in any experience. You're going to get that with a group of people willing to show you, hey, this is how I hear from God, or give opportunities to show what they have done for their life. 
You know, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is not like a GPS. You don't punch it in and it gives you the exact directions. But here, here though, is how the Holy Spirit works, sort of like a GPS. So you have a punch in your directions and you're driving on a trip. And as you're driving, suddenly a good song comes on and you're just, you know, I can't do the Colton thing, but whatever. You know, you're dancing away, you're jamming and you're talking to people. Next thing you know, you miss the exit. Does the GPS say, you idiot, (laughs) good luck now. (laughs) No, the GPS knows you got off the path and what does he do? He reroutes you and tries to get you to go back on the path. That's what the Holy Spirit does, if we allow it. When we inevitably get off of the path God has set before us, he's screaming at us. Get, come on. He's speaking to us through his word. He's whispering and he's doing everything. He's using other people. He's saying, get back, you're off. You know, some GPSs go crazy until you get back on. Sometimes I turn the volume off. <laughs> That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention. And, and here's the thing, the more you ignore it, the less you're going to hear it. The more you ignore God and his voice, that suddenly the, the lower it is because you're not in the word. You're not attuning your ears to what he's trying to speak to your life. We've got to exercise those, those obedience muscles of submission and surrender to his will, his path for your life. Amen? Hey, this coronavirus, this COVID-19 is only a reflection of a greater virus that is really causing a lot of these problems in our lives. And that's the S-I-N virus, sin. That the enemy is just trying to use things again. You, you try to start doing stuff like this and the enemy just keeps trying to distract you. We've got to recognize that too. 